Yo, what's up everybody? Today on the podcast we have uh, singer-songwriter Lindsay Lou. Um, weeks ago I was um, driving down to Denver and uh, I have a really cool playlist that I named The First Drive and I put this song uh, called Southland on there that I'd heard on another playlist uh, and I was just in love with the song and on the drive I decided I was going to dig into her catalog and um, I'm really glad I did. <clears throat> um, it's funny because during the podcast she makes reference to you know, listening to a song over and over again and, and I can't recall um, the last time that I did that with an artist and uh, both her records Southland and Ionia both have songs on it that I listened to three, four times in a row over and over and then did the same for many following days um but it was really cool too because this is the first podcast episode that i did with someone that i had no previous relationship with Lindsay, and i had never met never talked before um so this was really cool to do um i kind of want to do more with people i've never met before it's really interesting to talk to her um you know and find commonality in a lot of things uh particularly uh growing up listening to punk rock um you know and uh, I've recently been kind of coming home to traditional music and bluegrass and shit like that. But uh, anyway, she's a badass, super cool, um, and one of my favorite songwriters right now. So I'm so glad that she agreed to come on the podcast. I uh, hope you enjoy. And without further ado, uh, Lindsay Lou. Lindsay Lou, welcome to the Satsung Podcast. How are you today? I'm doing all right. How are you doing? I'm good. Um, so first off, your music is amazing, dude. It's been a really long time since I've found like, um, I was driving to Colorado about a month and a half ago. And I was familiar with a couple of your songs because they were on like, uh, I had heard them on other playlists and then added them to like driving playlists. And then it hit me like, oh man, I've never just like uh, dove into her catalog. So I listened to all your records and it like fucked me up how good they were. <laughs> so I like had like this whole eight hour drive where I only listened to your records. Um, Dang, cool. Yeah, man. So tell, tell me about yourself. Tell me, yeah, you're in Nashville, yeah? I'm in Nashville, but I grew up in the Upper Peninsula of Michigan. Um, that's where all my family roots are is in the UP, which is like mining country, uh, iron mining country. So Iron Mountain, Iron River, Ironwood, you know, so and immigrants ended up there um, to farm and mine. So that's where my roots are. But I was born in Missouri because um, my dad was working in the coal mines there for a while. But grew up in upper in the UP. So I'm a Uper and uh but yeah I live in Nashville now and I love it because the it's you know it's music city and all my friends are here and you know it's uh um I like it hot and I like to play music and <laughs> sing with people. So it's perfect. Yeah it seems like a place like Nashville's kind of uh it's it's like it's kind of intimidating, right? Because there's this idea of like, oh, I want to go be around all these other musicians. But then also it's like, man, the competition to like, you know, get noticed has to be so thick. 
just as far as just like how many songwriters and amazing singers and players of every instrument imaginable. Yeah, I think it's like 100% attitude, you know, like, what are you looking for? Are you coming to Nashville to be a big star and, you know, yeah, get noticed? Well, then sure. Yeah, it will be intimidating. But if you're coming here just to be like, you know, you go, you move to Spain to speak Spanish, right? To be just completely submersed and surrounded by um, your passion. And that's that's what you can find here too, is just a community of people who like to jam and, and inspire each other and co-write, you know? I had never really co-written until I moved here. And ironically, the first song I co-wrote was with these two women from Michigan that I'm in a band with called the Sweetwater Warblers. Yep. I don't know if you're hip to that project, but um, they're some of my favorite people. And so that even though I moved to the co-writing town, I still <laughs> broke the seal with, uh, with, with my Michigan sister songbirds. And since then, you know, I've done a good bit of it. It really revolutionized my process and um, kind of just, just felt like blew open the the doors you know of possibility yeah i've never co-written before it's funny like i had a i had a session i was staying with franti in san francisco and he was like yeah man let's write a song together tonight and i was like super nervous i'm like i don't even know what that looks like you know like totally because um, it's such a because it's such a vulnerable space to be in it's so personal totally yeah so how did you um how did you end up in Nashville? What was the like, what was the push that made you go like, okay, cool. I'm leaving Michigan. I'm going to Nashville. Well, um, so the, the, we used to be called Lindsay Lou and the Flatbellies mm -hmm. and the Flatbellies was this band that, um, it was like a college bluegrass band, you know, that my husband, Joshua, had started with his friend Josh Brand. They were like the Josh Mountain Boys of Lansing, Michigan. <laughs> and Josh Brand moved to Nashville. He graduated once he graduated law school, he moved down here. And he would just tell us all these tales about being in somebody's living room, picking party and with Tim O'Brien and David Greer and all these people who were role models to us, you know, people who just embodied the spirit of the music. And everybody's here hanging out and playing music. So that sort of gave us the, you know, oh, Nashville sounds fun. <laughs> um, so we, you know, we moved around some. We moved to Ann Arbor. We lived in this house in Ionia, Michigan, where we recorded the record Ionia. But we were kind of just, we were sort of squatting with permission in the house in Ionia because we had gone homeless for a while you know just kind of lived on the road for almost a year and then we made that record and it just kind of felt like we didn't have um we weren't so strongly rooted with our living situation at the time and um we started to play we'd been playing f for about a year or two with uh pj george had joined the band on bass and he was sort of living in nashville he had like a storage unit here <laughs> but he had you know he had lived he had lived in apartments here too but just at that time we were we'd all kind of you know just 
were living on the road. But it just seemed like, well, let's, you know, let's go to PJ's town and where Josh Brand is. And and uh, we got here and it's like the Stray Birds had just moved here and Miss Tess had just moved here. Um, and, you know, all our friends that we had passed cross, been crossing paths with at festivals, everybody's coming here. So it just felt like we instantly had a family, you know, came home to a family. And Rachel Davis had also already lived here. She's uh, one of the Warblers. And her husband, Dominic, plays uh, bass in Jack White's band when he's doing stuff. Um, so it's, there's just like, it's just like a magnet, you know? It's sure. like people are here. It's It's already family. There's beautiful waterfalls to hike to all around. Um, and... Yeah, it's nice. It's, there's no, there's not really winter, <laughs> you know, yes. <laughs> yes. coming from Michigan. There's not really winter here. <laughs> yeah. It's so funny. I'm like so scared of the heat in the South. Like, oh, where, are you in Montana? Is that I where am. You're... Yeah. Yeah. Cool. I like, you know, even, the summers here are dope, but yeah, man, when it starts creeping above 80 degrees, that's not for me, man. It's not for me. <laughs> and, you know, the driving in the winter sure sucks. It's funny. I was kind of a, I was talking about this on another episode of the podcast where I kind of like, I don't, I wouldn't say avoided the South. I just wasn't really in a hurry to tour down there. And I was kind of like scared to like, okay, we're going to go this whole new part of the country. And we got so much love down there and we went in the winter. So it was like the most refreshing thing ever, right? It's like 60 degrees everywhere. And like, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it was perfect. Right. So what that part of mine, I live in what- I'll get back to that question. I live in uh, in Southwest Montana, right by Yellowstone National Park. Cool. My uncle lives in in well, he lives in Butte now, but he lived in Gardner Oof. for for years because he worked as an electrician electrician in the park. And um, yeah, my dad just got back from there. Montana is kind of like the other. Oh, home. that's awesome. That's so cool. Yeah, man, Gardner is magic. We're actually. Um, I was torn between I have all of the all of my band coming out and we're going to track a new record. I rented a house um, in Paradise Valley. We were going to rent one in Gardner, but it fell through last minute. So we're going to Paradise Valley. Um, so that record, I own you. Did you write all of those songs? Yeah. Uh, wait. Um, so both of the, the last two records, Southland and Ionia, have two or three songs on them. They were written by friends of ours. Okay. So on Ionia, um, I wrote all of them except The River Jordan was written by May Early Wine, one of, another one of the warblers and a, a close friend. And Criminal Style was written by Todd Grevy, who's mm-hmm. um, a musician from Alaska. And he had been living in Nashville at the time. I, I heard him. He's just such an exceptional songwriter. And I, I'd heard him play that song at a gig in town somewhere. And when he released this, he released like an EP and it wasn't on it. And I was like, oh, where's that song? Can I have that song? Yeah. <laughs> Love that song. <laughs> so there, so those are two songs that I didn't write. And then on the newest record, I, uh, Southland, um, we picked The River That I Knew, which was written by Nick Woods, another guy who kind of splits his time between Nashville and um, I guess maybe he's in Richmond or Roanoke, Virginia, kind of. He grew up with PJ, so he's one of uh, our bass players, close childhood friends, exceptional songwriter again. We did his song, and we did a song by uh, 
Ruthie from the Mammals, Mike and Ruthie, they're on uh, upstate New York, and um, also, you know, good friends, people who inspire us. So, I'm trying to think if there's a, if there's another cover on Southland, but I, I co-wrote a lot of Southland. So yeah, yeah, the songs, the two songs in particular. So I. It's interesting. I'm going through a weird musical phase right now where I'm coming back to a lot of stuff, right? So I grew up, you know, my mom, like way deep into 80s and 90s country. And then yeah. through that, I when I started partying, I found bluegrass. Mm-hmm. Um, and then creeped into the jam band stuff. But, uh, you know, was always really into punk rock and hip hop. Um, and then, you know, it had just gone off on tangents, but I kind of stopped listening to bluegrass and country and traditional music for like the last five years. And then spending all this time in Montana, um, I've really been coming back to it and, and really enjoying it. Um, and the two songs on Ionia that really stand out to me um, are Old Song and House Together. I just mm-hmm. think they're like, it's insane how well written they are and the structure of them and they just get like like even just saying the saying the titles out loud they like start playing in my head um they're like such good songs and then also just as a fan of bluegrass music the players that you play with holy shit so how did you how did you meet all those all those guys they're so good they are so good um so the uh i've you know i'm so grateful to work with them we were kind of like um, you know, <clears throat> have a family band vibe almost. <laughs> um, so I met Josh, like I said, in Lansing. We were both going to Michigan State University, and there was a um, an open mic at Dagwood's Tavern in Lansing that was hosted by our friend Jen Siget, who's a real deep. Uh, folk songwriter musician um she's still holding it down in lansing and she's just like a pillar of the community there and um she just brought together the coolest folks you know people would be playing fiddle tunes um and josh's band who the flat bellies who when they played at dagwoods they called themselves half-ass bluegrass <laughs> they would they'd be there every tuesday is spencer and josh and josh brand and I remember seeing them. The first bluegrass I ever saw was in Montana, actually, um, when I was a little girl. And I grew up in a musical family, and I, I grew up singing on my mom's side. But we were out there visiting my dad's brother, and they were like, "Oh, Lindsay, you you know you're a you love music and singing. We're gonna take you to this jam." And because he'd been friends with these people who hosted a bluegrass jam, and I was just like, "Wow, there's you know, there were." Uh, the the it's just such an amazing quality that bluegrass music has because it just sounds so good you know because of the tenets that the genre is based off of you know just like tight rhythm and harmony singing um and proficiency with the taking solos and playing melodies it's just beautiful music so that really floored me you know um but i'm getting off track a little bit so the so I started hanging out at Dagwoods and, and with Josh and the Flatbellies, um, and the band kind of morphed. We had Mark Lavengood played with us for a while. He was he's on both those records, 
Um, and, and PJ joined us um, somewhere like 2013. But it was just, just really um, bluegrass music, you know, just like a shared love for jamming and playing music together um, and being in the same sort of world and the same touring circuit too. I think that's a lot how we met PJ. I think the first time I met PJ was at the Galax Fiddlers Convention in Galax, Virginia. I don't know if I properly met him, but um, he was playing with Nora Jane Struthers at the time. And we met her at Watermelon Park, you know, so just all these little festivals that you run into people. That's how you come together. So it started with an open mic and, and grew out of just moving around the country, chasing the music. That's awesome. Yeah, what I really love about um, particularly that record, right? I always kind of feel like there's the, on, the, on like this far one side, you have the like traditional songs, right? Where everyone's just kind of strumming on the same thing. And then you have like the Prunch Brothers that's just like, oh my God, this is super artsy and weird and out. Um, and like the jazz approach and I've for lack of a better way to say it you guys do a really good job of like showing how good you are without it coming off as like showing off or like splattering paint you know like just the cool um, like in house together like those cool little hits right before the verses start like I love that it's just mm -hmm. like we're tight as fuck but we're playing a song you know what I mean like we're not we're not like trying to get super far out uh, I just really, really love that. What is, what's some stuff that you grew up listening to, like that made you kind of want to, I'll get specific with that later, but what did you grow up really loving? Um, well, I grew up, you know, my, like I said, I was in a musical family. So I grew up here and my mom, my mom was one of 12 Whew. siblings. And so I have like 80 or 90 cousins at this point. Um, That's so and when crazy. we get together, it's just, it was, it was always just like a big jam, you know, like I remember being a little kid at the farm and like with a family like this, it's like, you've got two to 80 and it's just like everybody, it's just like all the eight, but you get these little like, um, generational hangs, right? So when I was little, it was like my uncle Stucky and, and uncle Muffy and all, all the older cousins they would party and they would play, you know, like uh, Pearl Jam and, and uh, Silver Chair and um, what was that? Uh, Self-Esteem. Who's that band? Um, I want to say Outcast, The Offspring, yep, <laughs> you know? Yep, yep. Um, so that, I, you know, and they, and they played, they would play like Indigo Girls songs. And that's what really got me singing along with my uncles and cousins were these, it's like the Indigo Girls and, and my uncle was in a, a medieval fair for a while and he picked up a couple of these songs from this, this medieval throwback duo called the Minstrels of Mayhem. <laughs> and, <laughs> you know, so there's, there's just these, yeah, so there's just these like family standards that, that everybody in the family played. And then like, my mom's generation would be like my mom, my Uncle Bernie, and my Auntie Melody. You know, they like, they sang these three-part harmonies so beautifully on Beatles songs. And they were really into this band called The Second Chapter of Acts, which was like a brother-sister gospel trio. Um, 
in like the seventies and eighties. So they, they would sing their songs and, um, that was what was, that was what was like really fueling me to, to participate in music as a young person, you know, or things like that, hearing my, my family make music together. Um, and that's why, you know, I, like you said, I was really into punk rock. I was really into Operation Ivy and, and, Hell yeah. um, Rancid and all these that I got, I got, <clears throat> I have developed a real love for that music in my adolescent, you know, middle school, high school years. Um, but when I found bluegrass music, it was just like, it just felt like coming home. It just felt like, uh, being able to get together with these people who I hardly even knew and sing three-part harmony as though I was singing with my family, it just felt so, um, so much like home, you know, and anybody I meet in this, in this scene who I developed that, uh, a friendship with, it, it just feels like home, you know? Totally. I think what was really cool about going from punk rock to bluegrass, um, you know, and everyone kind of has an opinion on Yonder, but I remember seeing Yonder Mountain String Van in like the early 2000s, you know, when Jeff was like, you know, and I was like, whoa, fuck, bro. This is like full on punk rock energy totally. at a bluegrass had, show. 100%. You know, so. Yeah, he and, really brought that. Yeah, and I just remember, um, yeah, the, the first, I remember my first show uh, the first time I saw Yonder, yeah, they like started with that like Kentucky mandolin jam. And then they just went, you know, when he would get on the, eh, 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 and like scream. And I just was like, oh my God, this is it. This is a punk rock show. They're just playing bluegrass, me, you know, music. Mm -hmm. Oh, I love that. Um, so yeah, what, yeah. what have you been doing since, uh, well, first, what did you have planned before COVID happened? We were going to play the Big Sky Festival out in Montana. That was one of the first things that got canceled that hurt. Um, we just had a, a sweet festival season um, lined up, and, and I was gearing up to release a record with the Sweetwater Warblers. We had a couple of festivals with that, like Strawberry out in California and Wheatland Music Festival in, uh, in our home state of Michigan. Oh, man. I mean... There've been, there've been some sad, some sad moments because, you know, I'd like to say like, like we're, we're all sort of operating under this idea that we're just moving 2020 to 2021, but it's can't, it's not really, <laughs> we don't but know, it's not gonna, but it's not really going to be the same, you know, cause it's like, well, we released the record anyway, you know, because this is the time when we need music when we want music. So we're not going to hold on to it for business. We're going to release it for, you know, love and community. And, and yeah. um, so, you know, so it's just not, it's not going to be the same. Um, but we're, we're, we're going to, the Warblers are planning some, some special stream shows in October. Cause we had, we were going to do some, you know, cross country touring in the, in the fall for the record. Um, so we're going to, we're going to put something together, um, for that, but you know, it's been for, for all of the sort of disappointing things that we, we had to let go of plans and ideas we had to let go of. It's, I really do value this time as 
You know, I like that it's been called the great pause because that's what it feels like is just a moment to pause and reassess and take stock and, and focus on what's important. Cause we're, you know, it's kind of like the, we get, so it almost becomes like a rat race, you know, of like, you just feel like you have to constantly be doing so much. If you're not doing, 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 then, then you're doing something wrong. And to, to be told, you know, no, just, you can still be doing, but, um, still Very put different kind a second. Of doing. Yeah, yeah. It's weird. It's weird too. Cause you know, I'm i I'm a busy bee, you know, I like to work. Um, and previously you couldn't pay me to take a year off. You could be like, Hey man, mm -hmm. we'll give you all of the money you were going to make on the road and you don't have to go. I'd have been like, still better go. And yeah. what's been really cool about this time for me is kind of redefining myself outside of um, just being a musical artist, which is something that I haven't really assessed in about five years because we've just, like you're saying, we just, you, you do the thing, you tour, and then you make another record, and then you tour, and then it's festival season, going. and you tour, and you're just kind of rolling the thing out, and the, the further it goes, the more it becomes your identity, and it was funny, we were always joking in the band, um, like all last summer, people were addressing me as the band name, people were like, yo, Satsung, hey, Satsung, at festivals and stuff like that, and I was like, that's not my name, you know, right. <laughs> and, and right. with this time, I've really like, I've put a lot more, you know, focus into my family and like getting healthy and, um, and really I wouldn't have a really cool record to go record because I probably would still be listening to the same shit that I just listened to when I'm touring rather than like, Oh, I haven't listened to, you know, I haven't listened to this. Yeah. yeah. Tim O'Brien. I've been actually listening to Tim O'Brien a lot, you know, and like all this old timey mm -hmm. stuff. And, um, yeah, it's an exciting time really. Cause it's going to be really cool to see what all of these artists like you and I are talking about that go, go, go like, okay, well, everyone just had a year at home. So I think we're going to see people's like musicianship go through the roof and, um, yeah. Creativity yeah. And, mm -hmm. yeah. I think everyone's going to come out with like their coolest records ever. Um, and when, so I've noticed, um, after following you on socials and stuff that you are buds with Billy strings. How did you meet that kid? Um, same thing just in Michigan you know he the first memory I have of seeing him was we played this uh film festival in Traverse City which is where he was living and there was like one of the it was in like an old like a an elementary school or something and we had, there was a classroom that was like green room area and he waltzed in and and Mark Lavengood knew knew him so we met up with him on the street a couple hours later and they sat and picked he just texted us the some i think i must have taken the picture somebody must have taken the picture of mark and josh and billy sitting there on the street the first day we we met um playing music and i remember hearing him and just thinking like doing like one of the double take you know like wait is that doc watson right like, <laughs> who came out of a metal band like what yep. It's, it sounds so good. Um, so we we would just be touring around. We were touring a lot uh, when we met him, like 2013, 2012, 2013. Lots of playing so many shows around Michigan. So we'd pass 
by Traverse City a good bit. And he'd always put us up. He and his brother Aaron would put us up. Um, you know, just really sweet, sweet dude, sweet family. So we became friends over the years. Yeah, he and is. And then we became neighbors and, yeah. Is he down there too now? Yeah, so he, um, he was in Traverse City, um, when we moved to Nashville and he called me like, I don't know, a year or so after we moved here, a year or two maybe. And he was like, yeah, I'm thinking about, you know, I'm sure he was talking to a lot of different people at the time about this, but he called me and said, I'm thinking about either going to Colorado or Nashville. And I was like, dude, come to Nashville. Cause you'll just, you're just going to thrive here. You know, when people hear you, it's, they're going to, you know, and all, all of the heroes are here. And, and I just knew everybody's going to want to play with this guy because he's, he's who he is, you know, he's a fucking walking time machine, man. Like what? He's a time what? <laughs> and just the sweetest dude. So, um, so yeah, so he, he said, well, I just want to put a birdie in your ear. And there was a room in my house that we were looking, um, to rent, but he was coming down with his girlfriend and we knew some other people that were looking for a place so we this one night at 2 a.m i don't know why i went out onto my front porch and my neighbor across the street was walking out into the street and she's like hey it's two o'clock in the morning right she's like in the middle of the street and she's like hey uh i just want to let you know that this we're moving out of this house and so it's going to be available for rent in january if you know anybody that you want to keep it in your friends I was like, oh, okay. So I called Billy the next day and I was like, I guess I got a house for you. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. And so he moved in there. Um, he ended up moving in there with Molly Tuttle. So it was Billy and Allie and Molly oh, wow. Tuttle in that house. And then myself and my husband, Josh, and our roommate, Molly Farr, um, across the street. So we had like a little pod there for a while on Petway. And Mimi from... Uh, fruition still is holding it down there with our friend Katie. Also, she's a um, works in the music biz. Sweet girl. Um, so yeah, so it's cool. Um, I had a little. We've got such a nice community here, and yeah. So Billy moved here, and exactly is exactly what happened. He just is thriving because there's no way that guy can't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's been really cool to see. There's a few people, you know, I got, he he's one. Uh, and then Marcus King is another guy that's been real cool to just watch him, you know, mm -hmm. go. Because I just feel like those are, you know, two cats that, yeah, the very first time that I saw both of them, I was like, well, this isn't going to take long. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, just, just bound for glory. Um, so back to you, how old were you when you started like performing? I would, well, I mean, I've been performing, I don't know, I've, my mom tells me this story about being on Harsons Island at um, a birthday party for her grandpa, and I was three, and she said I tugged on, and I kind of have like a, kind of a fuzzy memory of this too, she said I tugged on her skirt, and I was like, Mom, I want to sing for all. I want to sing happy birthday for grandpa, like in front of everybody. So they like put me up on stage 
when I was three years old and I sang happy birthday for the, for the crowd, you know, it was like a song I knew that I could perform. <laughs> <laughs> so I, and you know, I was, I think I was just kind of like a ham as a kid and I just love singing for people. You know, I think I was probably, I just, it's such a pleasant thing to do. It's always been such a pleasant thing to do. So I've been performing my whole life for as long as I can remember, I guess. But yeah, I started that... touring full time in 2012. Man. Yeah, it's such a, yeah, it's funny how scenes are. That's what's, I, I always talk to my friends that are in reggae bands about this, of how there's like, if you play like, you know, bluegrass or that folk music, like you're saying, like, I get super jealous when I hear people talk about these like amazing communities of artists that they have, you know, because I feel like we're in this like weird rogue thing. And I have like friends that are in reggae bands where it's the same thing. They're like, yeah, dude, I mean, we don't stay in hotels. It's like, we know reggae bands everywhere we go. So we just have like homies all over and like, uh, gosh, man, that, yeah, it's just so cool. And, and it's kind of seeing how small the, um, the scene is and to find out that you guys all really know each other and like play together and live in the same city. That's gotta just be like the fucking coolest feeling in the world. What would be a dream tour for you? Like if you could go on tour with any band in existence, who would it be? Um, I mean, we were just talking about Billy. So now I'm thinking about being on tour with Billy. That would be fun. Um, you guys you sing know. real well together. Yeah. I love it sounds that. real cool. Thanks. Um, but any band, I mean, geez, <laughs> I could go so many directions with that. You totally. Know? It'd be really sweet to tour with James Taylor or Bonnie Raitt or, you know, like these um, just monumental forces of nature who have had such a big impact um, on me and, and everybody. Um, yeah, I don't know. Who would be any of those? <laughs> yeah, shit, those are great answers. <laughs> yeah. Have you met anybody in all of your, uh, of, of just like bopping around festivals and stuff like that? Have you met anyone where you've gotten starstruck? It's only happened to me a couple of times. But have you met anyone where you like, I tend not to get awkward around people when I like, I'm just like, oh yeah, dude, you're just, you know, further along on your thing than some of mm -hmm. us are, you know? But have you ever met anyone that, where you just got like, oh shit, that's... Yeah, I mean, I felt like that with with these two women I'm in this band with, the Warblers with May and Rachel. It's because I was I was just at this part in my in my development as an artist. You know, I was in college studying to be a doctor. <laughs> no shit. And yeah, I went I have a degree <laughs> in human biology and Spanish. So I was I was my undergraduate studies, but I was like deep in it and I saw them perform and I heard their music and it just changed me forever. You know, it's like I always wanted to be a singer and I always wanted to be a musician, but I had sort of like stepped away from the idea because I've decided that I wanted to be a scientist and a doctor, you know? Um, but seeing them, like meeting Josh and seeing the community and seeing them perform just how much they change, how much they like just kind of blew up my world view and um, 
uh, really struck a chord in my heart, you know, just how much, how much impact they had on me. I was so awkward around both of them for so long. And I don't know if they thought I was awkward, but I just felt really awkward just because I was like, Oh my God, I love you so much. I love them. (laughs) What is coming out of your soul is having such a big impact on me. And, and I just like, but just feel really squirrely around them, you know? Um, so it's, I have like this, it, it doesn't necessarily have to be like somebody who's sure. a star, or like super famous. Like yep. I get starstruck when someone, something does something that just has such a huge impact on me. Um, so yeah, I get like that. I think I felt a little bit like that when I met, I don't know. I don't know, but yeah, I'm kind of the same way. I'm I'm usually just like, like you're I'm just, all just people. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. It's funny the the people that it's happened to me with are like really random. One, um, it was probably just like the coolest thing that I'd ever seen. So we were backstage at a Rise Music Festival in Colorado, mm-hmm. and the headliners for that night were um, Galactic with Charlie Tuna from J Five. And I could like hear on the radio, they're like, his flight was delayed, he's late, he's late. And we're like, you know, standing on the side stage, like, cause Galactic just went on and started jamming because it was time to start playing. Uh-huh. And the coolest thing I've ever seen, Charlie Tuna pulled up, like this black SUV pulls up and he walks out, flips his cap around, grabs a mic and just walks on stage and something happened when he walked by. I was just like, holy shit, that was the coolest thing I've ever seen, you know, and it just like shook yeah. me to the bones of how like nonchalantly he was just like, and boom, back at the office, you know, just like turned it on. And then another one was, um, I just, uh, I was really obsessed with Keller Williams when I was in high school. You know, I just went and saw him so many times and he was just so unique to me and so fucking cool. Um, and when I had him on the, I, I just spent so much of my late teens being like, dude, I'd love to just hang out with Keller and talk about the dead. And so when I had him on the podcast, I totally felt like that 17 year old kid where I was like, so what was your first dead show? Like, man, you know, <laughs> yeah. uh, do you get, my, you like the dead? I do. I love it. I'm so, I co- sort of came into the dead world, you know, it was like a late bloomer into the dead world, but it's, it's been, such a trip to to journey into their music um yeah i love it yeah it's funny i'm i've been listening to there's this really cool podcast uh that they just started called the good old grateful dead where they like break down the story of each song from a record and they're doing working man's dead right now um which is a country record you know they were like at the height of the like san francisco psychedelic scene and then fucking made a country record with pedal steel on every song and like everyone was like oh this might be career suicide and they did it anyway and i'm like it's been really inspiring to me because we have on the next record we have like fiddle and pedal steel and mandolin and a whole bunch of stuff and i'm just like i don't know dude our fans are either going to be really weirded out or be like oh that's cool you know yeah (laughs) we'll find out um all right so i have these standard questions that i ask uh, every musician um, that I have on. So we'll, we'll rock these out and then I'll let you go. Okay. All right. What was the first artist or song that made you cry? Um, I saw that you were going to ask me this 
question. I listened to your introduction today and nice. I thought about it and I can't say for sure, but the first memory I can think of <clears throat> is I remember laying on the couch with my discman, my headphones on, listening to Sarah McLaughlin's, uh, is it called Sweet Surrender? Is that what the album's called? Or just Surfacing. Yeah, the record's called Surfacing. And there's a song on it called Sweet Surrender. But the song Full of Grace, it's the second to the last song. I remember listening to that and just sobbing. I was just like uncontrollably sobbing. There's, you know, home life was such a particular way at that time that that song just like got into my bones. And yeah, I remember having she was, a good she was a, cry. She's a tearjerker of an artist. She has more than yeah. more than a couple songs that have been known to make people cry. Mm-hmm. Who are your um, favorite three artists right now? My favorite three artists? Oh my God. I have a sort of annoying thing about me with the idea of favorites. <laughs> what are the most three seems- played artists for you right now? <laughs> okay. That's, that's, that's easier. The most, I will, I've been listening to a lot of John Prine, this whole, uh, you know, ever since, Great. even before he got sick, but really, especially once he got sick, I feel like the whole world kind of rallied and, um, just like went to that place that his music created. And so I've been listening to a lot of John Prine. I'm always, yeah, listening to a lot of Grateful Dead and, um, cream i was listening to i listened to two songs on a bike ride yesterday i listened to uh the sunshine of your love and into the mystic uh you know van morrison and um and cream i just listened to those songs for the entire like 15 mile ride (laughs) it's awesome that's kind of what i do i like find a song and i just listen to that song on repeat and i'll be like I'm listening to one song over and over again because I'm like, get lost in my thoughts, but I'll yeah. come back to it and just like hear different parts throughout the time. That's funny. Okay. I'm glad I, I do that all the time too, because I, and I try to listen to it where I like switch my brain setting where I'm like, okay, what is it about this song that is made that makes it so good? Like, why do I want to keep, I mean, dude, a song has to be pretty dope to listen to it three, four times in a row and not be like, okay, cool, just listen to it, you know? Mm-hmm. So yeah, I've been doing that a lot recently too. And, and even going back into some like, I've been listening to a lot of like early Garth Brooks and George Strait and just like, nice. what makes these songs, you know, what, what, what about these songs were so good that millions and millions of people were just like, yes, I also love this shit, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, also, Mavis Staples, the record You're Not Alone that she made with Jeff Tweedy, that record's just been, I've put that on, that's like when I take a bath or like have a moment, like a, sure. a centering moment for myself, that's the record, and I just can't even believe how good it is. It's like Mavis Staples, You're Not Alone, and Aretha Franklin, Amazing Grace, those two records, I mean, if you want to connect with whatever your idea of spirituality is, I really believe that that's an excellent place to start. (laughs) Hell yeah. (laughs) You know, I mean, yeah. I feel like those are the people that would make me like, oh shit, 
Mavis Staples right there, yo. <laughs> you know, or like. Oh yeah, oh yeah, the, for sure. I'd be starstruck as fuck. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Those, those, that legendary. Uh, that's a different level. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's a completely different level. James Taylor would be another guy. I mean, it'd just be really hard not to be like, "Yo, dude, so you're fucking James Taylor. That must be wild," <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, what was the first thing you heard that made you really know, like, I wanna, I want to do music, not just like, oh, I really love music, but made you go like, I could do this. Probably May and Rachel and Josh, you know, seeing the flat bellies and Jen Siget, um, the Michigan music scene is really special. And, you know, I, I sort of, I had abandoned the idea of, of music being my livelihood as an adolescent because I, I was a punk rocker and I didn't like the idea of mixing money and music. You know, somebody told me the music business is 90% business and 10% music. And I was like, fuck that. I don't want anything to do with that. So I'm going to be a doctor and change the world. <laughs> right. But then when I found the Michigan music scene and I, and it just really uh, readjusted my focus on what, you know, what was possible and, and how we can be and exist and still be, um, still have it, you know, it's, it's a different thing when it's your livelihood because it's, it's your, it's sort of is allowed to be your all encompassing focus, you know, yep. which, which is a blessing and a curse of course. But, um, yeah, seeing, seeing the, the earthwork music collective and, may and rachel and the flat bellies that that really that that left me with a feeling of oh i can do this too you know i don't have to be i don't have to be pretending like uh you know this britney spears pop star route you know not that there's anything wrong with it it just didn't feel like something i could do authentically i like dressing up you know, sure. and I like performing, <laughs> but there's just something, um, there's just something that, that bluegrass and folk music, especially the way it exists in Michigan, there's just something that it, that it showed me that allowed me to like merge my performing and punk rock, but me, you know, cause I'm like, you know, I'm, I can only be so punk rock as Lindsay Lou. <laughs> Totally. I realized totally. I, my, I got an electric guitar in high school and I was like, I don't even, I just, oh. it didn't feel <laughs> I don't right. know what to do with this thing. I yeah. play acoustic guitar and I sing Indigo Girls songs. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. It's really funny. I actually was having a conversation last night. I have a friend in town visiting um, and we were talking about the use of psychedelics and I was like, honestly, man, uh, the past couple times I've done psychedelics, it's really thrown me for a limb because I've been like, as you're saying that like my lifestyle, it's so all encompassing that I'm like, so I write these songs in a notebook, but I have a lawyer and a publicist and a manager and an agent. Like, why is it this complex? Why does it have to be this weird? You know, <laughs> like it kind of fucks me up sometimes, you know, cause it's just like, you're saying, it's like, it's uh you know, if you, yeah, if you spin too far out on that wormhole, like it can really take you for a ride. Cause at the end of the day, yeah, we're just writing tunes and notebooks to connect with people. 
that's all we're doing is we're just trying to yeah, make people with, feel with others and ourselves, which is, yeah. which, and, and like hone in on the fact that of, of how shared that entity actually is, you know? Um, yeah. I, and I remember I, there were, I had a couple of psychedelic experiences early on when I first started, when I was first kind of, you know, releasing the shrouds of, of, what I thought I was going to be and what I thought I was going to do for the last, you know, for my college and high school careers and accepting what was underneath that and who I actually was, which is like a, an artist and a singer, um, and a writer. And, and I remember having these psychedelic experiences where you just felt like, Oh my God, this is exactly where I belong. You know, like right after we made release your shrouds, we went, um, up to my family hunting camp in the UP and ate some mushrooms and I it ended up I ended up going down a into it and straight into the darkness because I ended up by myself for a while but the whole <laughs> beginning of the trip was um was just like pure sunshine of like the graceful sense of belonging you know like like I just am where I'm meant to be and I'm doing exactly what like this may, why did I ever think I was going to do anything else? <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, that's a, that's a great feeling to have. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, what's really special and I don't know if you've ever thought about this, so I will, uh, will give you this to chew on because it really fucked me up in a great way when I thought I was in my backyard shooting my bow and I saw uh, a fella that I've known for many years in this town walk by and he's just kind of always bartending here or there and you know it's just kind of hopping from job to job and we're the same age and it hit me i haven't asked myself what am i doing with my life in a really long time and what a gift that is to be like well no i make music that's what i do like that's mm -hmm. and um you know i shared that with my brother when he was out here visiting and he was like man don't let go of that shit because mm -hmm. he's like you know the average person is at a job doing something going, what am I fucking doing here with my time? You know? And it's like, even, even though the road is an artist, you know, it's really uh, uncertain and really bumpy and fucking weird. And like, we're talking about over complex at times, it's still a like, what a gift to just know why you're here and what you're doing, you know? And yeah. And I definitely go in and out of that, you know, mental health being what it is. Sure. Um, uh, you know, we're, we're the hardest on ourselves. We're harder on ourselves than anybody could be. Um, like, I almost wish that there were more, like, like I want to get together with my haters and just, and just like commune with them and be like, yeah, I know. Like, why am I, why did I do that? <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> because, cause you know, I mean, I'm not, I'm definitely like, I have, I have like moments of that moments of like, oh yeah, of course this is what I'm doing. But then I have a lot of time where I'm just like, oh my God, what am I doing? <laughs> am yeah. I worthy of this? Can I, can I actually be, you know, I don't know. <laughs> it's well, just, uh, it's a roller coaster. Totally. Well, if it, you know, I'm not any sort of authority on anything at all, but as a, you know, when we're talking about listening to songs over and over again, I mean, I, you know, my mom was in the Nashville Songwriters Guild for a long time and just like, Ew. 
you know, her whole thing was she just wanted to write pop country songs for other people, you know, because that's kind of the vibe and and then that okay. scene as so they're like, yeah. oh, this is a great song, I'll take it. Um, yeah. And I sent her uh, that I own your record and Southland and she, it fucked her right up. She was just like, how is this not, what? You know, so, um, you know, again, I'm not any sort of authority on anything, but I don't, I don't believe that you should be questioning whether or not you should be writing and singing songs because I, it, you 100 million trillion infinity percent should. Um, I think you have, like I said, I, I can't even think of another time in the last five years that I, that I heard songs that I listened to five times in a row. Um, and I, I had an eight hour trip there and back where I was just listening to both of your records, your last records on repeat. Um, you're a phenomenal songwriter. Um, and I just, yeah, I love your music. And I really like seeing uh, growth uh, in artists. I like seeing like, ooh, this is different than the last record, but it's still, and, and, and the like insertion of, in Southland, the insertion of like, this cool like vintage retro psychedelia mixed with that old timey music still is so fucking cool. And it's so, um, and then hopping on YouTube and seeing you and your band perform those songs. And it sounds exactly like the record. Like for me, that's such a huge thing, you know, cause it's really easy mm -hmm. to make a super fucking cool record and then be like, yeah, well, it's not going to sound like that when we play it, but <laughs> you know, yeah, totally. Cause that's, cause that's cool too. You know, like create like the, there's that David Byrne book, How Music Works. You've read where, that? Uh, I haven't personally. Okay. Which, which you know, if we're gonna should, that's that would be a should. Yeah. But I have, but I, but I'm like, you know, I I like to surround myself with people who, <laughs> who do, so I can sort of like osmosis from them. Sure. So I have Josh read it and and um, I know a lot of people who haven't, so I've picked up little bits from them. And that's something that he talks about is just like looking at the performance space of li the live show and the recording as two completely different things. Because, yep. where, you know, it's great that you've mentioned that because that was our aim in making Ionia is that we wanted to make something that was really us. You know, that when we played it, that's what we that's what it sounds like. So we've set up microphones in a dining room one microphone per person, you know, and played our music together. Those are live takes? Yeah. Whoo! So we, we're just like in a circle looking at each other, playing with each other. You know, that that was our 100% our intention with that record. Um, but I do also love and think it, that it's a great idea to take advantage of the infinite space of the recording studio and explore and see what you know not not sort of detach yourself from what it might be once you start making it live for people you know and let that be its own thing um so i think that both are are cool yeah ways of approaching it but it was it was really special i making ionia was a really special thing. yeah it's a trip i'm kind of confused you know what the hell i'm gonna do because i'm like yeah I'm making a record where it's like, well, unless I hire, um, you know, some dude that knows how to play pedal steel fiddle and mandolin. Right. You know what I mean? I'm going to have to hire Charlie one of those Rose. Guys. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I, I have a, I have a friend in Denver that's like, 
he's a phenomenal pedal steel player and guitar player, but he's one of those dudes where he's like, oh, I can't really play the banjo. And then you hand him a banjo and he's like, well, it sounds like you can play the banjo, bro. <laughs> you know? Um, okay. Two more. A, just because we've talked about punk rock a bunch. Uh, three, again, I know favorites are hard. Three most like influential punk bands that you can think of from your youth. Um, I mean, I, I kind of stuck to the basics. I listened to a lot of No Effects and yep. a lot of Operation Ivy. And I don't know. I really liked the earlier AFI, like Shut Your Mouth, Open Your Eyes. I listened yep. to that record a lot. Um, so probably those three. But like The Clash was kind of a punk rock band. I mean, I listened to London Calling. Like, yep bunch of times so you know if i could have four probably those sure i still go back to that all right last question how do you want to be remembered um as someone who could love and be loved great answer dude that was really good um well thank you so much for hanging out with me and taking the time to talk um and I hope when the world gets back together that, um, yeah, that when we come through your town, hopefully you're around and you come sing a song with us. Hell yeah, hit me up. I will. Love to. Well, uh, it was great talking to you and we'll be in touch. All right. All Thanks, right. Man. Take care. Nice to talk you. you too. Yo. All right, gang. I uh, hope you enjoyed that episode of the podcast. Make sure you go on Spotify, Apple Music, Google Play, Amazon, whatever the hell you listen to music on, and look up Lindsay Lou. Download all of her shit. Share it with your friends. Um, tell everyone you know about it. Like I said, she's one of my favorite songwriters right now. I uh, can't get enough of her tunes, and you should be listening to them as well. Uh, next week on the podcast, we got my brother from another mother, my day one the dude that has helped me make every single sad song record our engineer co-producer harmony singing bass slapping smile giving homeboy carl roth um yeah sad song zone baby he was just actually out here uh for like four days we were supposed to go play the mishawaka uh, but there's a fire in the Poudre Canyon, and because of the smoke, we had to postpone the shows. Uh, we were going to do the podcast in person, but we started working on music, and we were just really having a blast. Um, hanging out with the fam. Uh, my son Malachi uh, came up with a nickname for him. No one else has a nickname, but he started calling Carl Innie. Uh, and he can very much say his name, but it was... Anyway, I say all that to say it was really adorable, so we all just kind of did the family thing, and when we weren't doing the family thing, Carl and I were recording shit for the new record. So next week, Carl will be on the podcast, and it's going to be dope. So tell your friends. I love you. Make sure, as always, uh, download, save, share, subscribe, yada, yada. Big love. Take care of yourself. Drink water. Peace.